Texas Steampunk Connection coming to you live from various parts of Texas in our bunkers and airships and whatnot. I am Flavio as usual, and with me as always is Fax, the gentleman adventurer, and Jack from Steam Chest. And you have Master Blue Stocking. Say hello, Woo! guys. Hey! So once again, we are here to talk oh, probably about steampunk, most likely, because that's what this is about. Thank you for listening to the Texas Steampunk Connection. Hello! Hey! We're back. We're back. Jack's here. Thanks for Woo! Kitty is in the comments. Rita is in the comments. Awesome. Look at that. How is everybody doing tonight? This uh, Tuesday night, mid-May. Oh my God, mid-May. <laughs> it flies, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Oh, let's see. It really does fly when you don't have a job. Surprise. I am learning that my own self. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I understand. I, 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 yes, it sucks. <laughs> I still have to go to work. There's just that that just that over overhanging that, the uh, that thing that sweeps over you and knows it's gonna cut you eventually. Uh, I don't know, Greek something. Uh, the exhausted from the fair. Only two more weekends. Wow. Oh no! Wait, so good. Are you happy or sad that it, I mean exhaustions? Because <laughs> you could be exhausted and still be having fun, but it's still exhausting. If you're exhausted, not having a thing. I'm assuming you're having fun. It's a fair. Uh, and it's kind of like a, you and I would. Ooh, facts. Let's get paid to show up at a fair. <laughs> hey, man, I'd be happy to get free tickets. That's true. Hold and, on a second. Know, Talk to we'll, we'll do advertising pieces for free tickets. Give us big. Give us like really big press passes that we can stick on our clothes. It'd be great. Apparently, Fax is having to cover his screen with his hat. I'm assuming that he's being attacked by a dog. How was the dog attack? You're muted. I guess that's fine. All right. With him being muted, we will have to figure this out. Oh, he's back. He's got. He's fine. He's got to wait. Lagginess. Love the fact that the sign in his background only says "Beware of." You can't actually tell what to be aware of. You're still muted. <laughs> there you go. There we are. You know what to be aware of. I I'll do. It's fun because you see it from like an angle. You're just like, but what? What should I be aware of? <laughs> That would be um, funny to change a sign that said. <laughs> Rita says, "Beware of Kraken." Always, not too you far. Never off. know when that rum will sneak up on you. <laughs> Rita gets the Rita gets the uh, the award. Yep. Ding -a -ling -a -ling. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Blue Stocking is out tonight. If you uh, are regular listeners to the show, you know that she had to come down to Austin to do some sort of college doctoral fiddle-faddle and um, can't make it. Even though we're in Austin. Hmm? Even though we're in Austin. And yes, we're, we're all here somewhere. Yep. <laughs> and spirits closer than normal. But still so far, far away. I know. <clears throat> oh, why is it giving me... Oh, it's posting in both places. Okay, that's cool. All right. <laughs> Learning something new about StreamYard. Uh, did someone say rum? T Someone should always say rum. Of course, Johnny. Everyone. We should always say rum. Glad you made rum it, Rum should never be gone, because that trope is not yet being dead-horsed. That reminds me, uh, let, let's just uh, let's get into it, because i got okay. a few things that need to be discussed. Um, is this like a school board meeting suddenly? If you are on uh, Facebook, as we are streaming to it right now, um, and you're in Texas, there is a Texas Steampunk Facebook group that... Uh, it's kind of active, but the uh, the admin, the guy who started it, is long gone, disappeared, and uh, the place has been overrun with spammers 
and people putting out like fake news articles about dead celebrities. It's oh, really, really annoying. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, Johnny has created a new group uh, called Texas Steampunk Network, which Ooh. is live and active and just starting to build uh, steam members, <laughs> building steam. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that kind of take over with some active administration so we don't have to uh, learn about these these dead guys who aren't even dead yet. <laughs> um, so, okay. I just thought everyone should know, being this is a, a uh, Texas podcast primarily, uh, the Texas Steampunk Network is a great place to learn about all the upcoming events in the state aside from here. Um, and uh, yeah, I wanted to to, to bring that to everybody's attention. Now, let's get to drinking. All right. <laughs> what do you have? Are you got something cute? If you got something cute, I'll go first. Uh, I do. Of course I okay. do. Then I'll go first because this is actually, this is, this is a slant on what I'm normally drinking. It's another Schaffenhofer passion. Fruit. Oh yeah. Look at that. It's purple. It's in their like spring box. It came with like three flavors of a bunch of the orange one. That's the classic that I happened on this show previously. Mm-hmm. It comes with like a cherry. I haven't tried the cherry yet. Lex says it's really good. And the passion fruit I just opened and, and took a sip of. And it is, I don't, I don't think this is actually what passion fruit tastes like. It's what passion fruit should taste like. It's really good. <laughs> is it, is it a sour beer? Cause I've had, I've had sours with passion fruit in them. It, um, it kind of it's it, all right. It's not overly sweet by no means. Um, I will. This is the flavor that I think they were actually shooting for with Smarties before Smarties got terrible. <laughs> like this right here. Like if if, if Smarties were like came from a natural thing in that somewhere, this is how I think it should taste because it has like the ever so like back essence of that flavor. And then some guy decided what we're going to do with all these uh, these black powder pumps making wafers back after the civil war going you know what let's just take this fruit and squeeze it into this crappy candy and sell it for <laughs> years uh <laughs> that's so that really is how they did business we'll call yeah. it medicine we'll sell it in pharmacies to kids with their ice cream and that's actually how smarties was made was like the the black powder pa- pumps that they would make the little wafers for the for the shell casings and what they're like well we do, what do we do this after wartime someone's like pour sugar and some water in it hit the button <laughs> Pull the lever <laughs> and start making Smarties because black powder used to come in little rolls like that. You can individual pre-measured a bit. So I don't know how that turned into candy. That that is the that's the leap of logic I want to see somewhere. That's wild. I did how not do know this that. in peacetime. Well, <laughs> that's not the American way anymore. American way now is make more gunpowder <laughs> instead of let's change the candy. Let's yeah. Sell candy gun. <laughs> anyway, it's good. What do you got? Okay, so I don't know how to how to start this. Uh, Show and tell I've got here. Um, <laughs> oh. This is what I'm drinking. It, that's not apple juice. That <laughs> it absolutely is apple juice and some sugar and some brewer's yeast in a bottle. That's the crappiest looking Teletubby I've ever seen. It's so nothing else will fall into it. Oh, that makes sense. I am turning this into hard cider. Yeah, yeah. I'm not drinking this one. Obviously, it's still doing its thing. For another week or so, oh. my second uh, second run. Uh, my first batch is complete and delicious. Oh, oh, and how does it taste? 
it's it's good. I mean, I've I've, I've been drinking it, so I, I already knew it was good. Oh, I know, I know, you know, because there's no way you weren't drinking it prior to this, because <laughs> it, yeah, uh, and it's it about a flavor town. I'm guessing it's probably about twelve percent. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's kind of like debt cord. It's twelve percent. Um, but I mean, you, you saw how I got it all together. It's yes, dead easy. Look, it looks it's expensive. You You're gonna have to like give us a list. Well, the juice was a buck and a half. Um, the brewer's yeast for like four packets was mm-hmm. about a buck and a half. Sugar I had laying around the house. Um, I mean, pre already paid for. Yeah, sunk cost. It's free. Sunk cost. And some party balloons, which you may have lying around the house, too, if you got kids. <laughs> um, so three-ish dollars? And then some patience. And then, yeah, so some weeks of, of waiting. Now, there are YouTube videos that, that go into more detail on how to do it, but not a whole lot. That's kind of it. Uh you can leave like, it alone. Don't touch it. Yeah, shake it up a little bit. Get that yeast moving. Uh, you could buy a you could buy a, a high hygrometer mm-hmm. for for measuring uh, how much sh- sugar is in it. Yeah. And so you measure it at the beginning, and then you measure it at the end, and the difference will tell you what the proof of, of so it. So basically, is. parts per million. It's it's gone. Tells you the difference. Um, something like that. Right. Okay. okay. It, it's it's called a, a gravity reading, and basically, that makes sense. yeah, because it, it weighs so much, and then the yeast eats all the sugar, and all that crap at the bottom is them and the poop, and right. uh, then it leaves because alcohol is lighter than, than water, so it floats up. Yeah, make that makes well, the, the alcohol is is lighter than sugar. Yeah, um, so it's in the yeah, it's suspend it's replacing its suspension. Yeah, right. Okay, and uh, yeah, and then you just uh, pour it into. I've got a growler. Uh, which is a big bottle, um, and you pour off. You, you don't pour the bottom out because it's got all the gunk in it. But you sort of pour off everything short of the gunk, and uh, then you add sugar again because there's no sugar left because the yeast ate it all. Hopefully, you get to keep some of that sugar, that some of the yeast alive for the next batch. Correct. That next batch that I have in there is the same yeast uh, ah. that I had with from the first one because gotcha. I wanted to see if that would work. Yeah, not because I. Couldn't spare the hundred dollar fifty, but why if you don't have to? I know, and, and at this point in time, if you keep doing it, then you get your own like lineage going. I uh, okay, yeah, that's actually I, very I'm important to some people. That that yeast, uh, they do evolve. They, they yeast are, are multiplying and and multiplying much more quickly than human beings or complex animals, and so they're able to evolve faster. And so over time, you might find yourself with something weird. A yeast that's true. is not as effective or is more effective or too effective. Does or things different. Starting to hit the space age. Um, so I don't know that you want to keep the same yeast for too many yeast. times, but I, I want to see, see that. Work. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because uh, even though it's evolving, doesn't mean it's evolving in a different like evolutionary it, it, standpoint it's just getting better at eating the stuff you don't want it because of you want it if you want to primarily eat just the sugar you don't want it to go any further i, I don't think it's going to do anything but the sugar then it wouldn't be yeast anymore no. but it's going to behave differently yeah, yeah. um and Time you're primes. not really you're not able to pick out the ones that you like and slough off the ones that you don't you're just stuck with whatever's there yeah yeah it's not like you can use a magnifying glass and some tweezers <laughs> oh you're green don't want you 
Um, yeah, got three legs. But that's that's only the beginning because you don't have to use apple juice. Well, you could use whatever the hell tropical splash means. Oh, it's definitely got pineapple in it. So anyone with a pineapple allergy's got to be careful. It has carrots. Yeah. And apples and pineapples and kiwi. So those of you who are not aware, carrots have an insane amount of sugar in them, especially when you juice them. And I, I'm adding more sugar to that anyway. Yeah. But it's going to be something interesting. It, it mean, is. It, I've, be like I've a, completed it. It's I done. Wonder, and it's kind of tasty. I wonder <laughs> if that would make an interesting flavor for um, what, what are the now I can't think of it because I'm on camera. Uh the Bloody bloody Mary. There you go. A good Bloody Mary because you already got all these other vegetables. It's like an extra V8. You call it V9. I would be, I'm, I'm hesitant to try to make wine out of tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, that sounds or, horrible. Like there's a reason no one else is doing that. <laughs> if, it could, if, it was, if it was a good idea, the Italians would have already been because they look like really big grapes. In <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone tried and like, there's just not enough sugar coming out of these and it tastes really funky. Uh, um, and right now I've started a uh, cranberry cocktail. Uh, so cranberries and I think apples and grapes. And see what what that makes. And I'm so <laughs> with the cranberries, apples and grapes, is that a is that a juice that already has like uh, or is that like straight up the fruits that you've mashed? It's it's another juice I got at the grocery. Okay. Cause I can imagine if you're gonna go the juicing route, how are you gonna keep getting too turned before the yeast has its chance. Uh, well, the the idea is when you're adding yeast, it it it's a race for who will win, right? The bacteria and regular fermenting versus the stuff you've added, and the yeast that you've added has a big head start gotcha. and will cloud well, out and and kill the things that aren't it. So it's the idea is it's going to win that race and get all that sugar for itself. Wow. What a what an amazing race idea! <laughs> so we get the petri dish and then the, the microscope. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm having fun. Uh, in Belize, I didn't know anything about brewing then, but there's fruit all over the place, and they will make wine out of any of them. When I was there, I mean, they have fruits I don't even know what are. Uh, they made a avocado wine. They made a chocolate wine, which is not like what we think of as chocolate. But actually, yep. the fruit part around the seeds, okay. which is uh, a little different, oh. um, and you know all the the weird tropical fruits that you might imagine down there, plus things like stinky toe. I don't know what the fruit stinky toe is, <laughs> but I had to buy some because it sounded ridiculous. Uh, I, I mean, and, it, it sounds yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Super weird. And they sell them. They sell them to you in a. Uh, like used plastic water bottles. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. It clicked finally. I know what you're talking about. It's like a Caribbean hooch. <laughs> you know, that would be a good way to market it. I would, <laughs> I would so buy that. I would sneak that back through. What's this? I don't know if I should drink it, but I own it. And that's all that matters. <laughs> I'm going to sit there and stare at it for 10 years before I try drinking it. It's like the rice <laughs> wine I got back from China. Oh, God. Stinky I opened some of that and tried it. Still terrible. Rocket fuel. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> rocket fuel is almost drinkable. It's not almost that bad. Most of it's just hydrogen peroxide. You don't want to drink it, but it's not like immediately. It's not all right. It's not like what you'd expect. Rocket fuel is weird. rocket fuel. Technically, you can use to put fires out with as long as the fires aren't over a certain heat threshold. I believe that. 
I mean, you know, regular petrol doesn't light on fire like in the movies. Yeah. Um, Gasoline is explosive. Oh, well, it's not technically, it's a uh, specific, but yeah, it's diesel you can pour on fire and nearly right. put fire out. Yeah. Yeah. You get like de- warm diesel up before you throw it on a fire. Is, is that, I thought it had to be under like extreme pressure. Like it can still light on fire. I know because obviously you have diesel fires and the fact that they, they spilled or they had to like light a whole bunch of it on fire in the Hawaii port when they were making the, the move. Um, gosh. Whatever the port is there, I can't come up with now that I've actually been there and seen. You know the whole reason we bombed Pearl Harbor. There we are. Oh, but uh, yeah, when they're making that movie, they burned like eleven thousand barrels of it or something for the wow. scene. Yeah, I like, think just, just to get it started it might be under pressure. Yeah, but then once it gets going, I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't, I'm not a gasologist. Right. Lawrence says we need to visit steampunkbrewworks.com. So uh, we'll put that up on the we'll put that up on the thingy there for a moment for those people to see it. Yeah. The dog growls out the window. All mm. right. That Technical like difficulty with. You can buy all of your supplies there. Very cool. There's a place here in Austin that uh, is a brewery supply store, but it's only open during you know regular hours when people are oh. at work. Well, I mean, so convenience. <laughs> how that works. It's convenient now. Lawrence says he can set diesel on fire no problem. Oh, well, you know, things you learn. I just know it was different. Huh. Steampunk <laughs> Brew Works. That's a cool website. It's also well done. Yeah. Visually very nice. I uh so since I started doing this, um, I had been gifted some like brewery kits yeah. that I was not ready to get into. And so I shoved them in the garage. Yeah. So thank you. I, Dug them out, and a uh, carton of of uh, malt, like liquefied malt, hardened, popped, bro- broke open, and sh- and dr- it's all over the ever everything. <laughs> it made such a mess. Yeah, I have one for a gin making kit, and uh, are you so, allowed to do that? I mean, you take vodka and you're basically oh, okay. straining it through the juniper berries. We're not because that would be wrong. <laughs> making your own vodka apparently is illegal. Yes. Um, right. Making making your own rum is also very illegal. Even though they grow sorghum in mass around me, I've always wanted to at least go through with the beginning of making rum just to see how that part works. The beginning you know, of making just rum for, is just for scientific purposes. To, like, and, and you know, it's it's making this stinky wine. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then. Uh, then there's the distilling, which we are not doing. No, no, we're not. Because, like you said, <laughs> that'd be wrong, first off. And second, we're broke. And uh, two good reasons not to do it. Which is why I started doing this. Yeah, and that beer is my And uh, I, I will not have a job anymore in just a, a, a little while. Yep. And my one of my good friends makes beer. Uh, he hasn't done it in a little while, though. He moved, and he had to pack all of his stuff up. And so he's having to get all his stuff back out. But he's made... He's made like the coffee beers. He's made the uh, made it. A, he tried to make an imperial ale, which is it was interesting. It, <laughs> apparently, there's some patterns that we still need to work out for that one. But he made an Oktoberfest that was really good. He made a decent just regular round as well. He was very happy. He was very. I don't think we ever drank the same thing twice. He was very experimental. Yeah, I mean, if you're making the same thing over and over, that gets boring. Well, I mean, there's one thing about like, hey, I like the flavor of that. Let's see if we can do that again. And 
even if we went around to go, hey, let's see if we can do that again, it came out wildly different. So we would just oh. say, no, this was supposed to be different. <laughs> uh, so Rita, like, Rita asks, is it, illegal, is it illegal to make it or illegal to sell it? It is illegal to make hard liquor. It's illegal to uh, distill uh, alcohols. Uh, I'm not allowed to have the thing with the coil dripping in all the movies where they got the little cup at the end. I'm not allowed to do that. That's the bad part. You're allowed to grow the stuff. Although there is a very convenient, a very convenient product on the internet that you can buy that will help you do it very easily. Oh, just uh, for scientific purposes. Of course. Uh, I don't know. Um, and it's probably illegal to sell my cider or whatever beer you make because the government isn't having an opportunity to tax it. Yep. Um, and they're real, they're real particular about that. So here's how you get around that. It's you don't tell them. Oh, there's that too. <laughs> You're like, why are you giving people beer? Like, well, I can't sell it to them. It's a gift. He mowed my lawn. It's I a actually gift knew a guy who used, to, who used to give out his resumes with a six pack of his personal made, homemade beer in a wooden cart that he would make too. I don't think he ever not got the job. Damn it, Jack. We're doing it all wrong. I know. We should be. That's can, what we need to be doing. Uh, all right. All right. Okay. I got some woodwork. Right. I got woodworking tools. You got the beer thing going. Let's let's have this. <laughs> I just need a shop space. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Things are looking up. I feel it already. I know. Here we are. 30 minutes in. We're still talking about booze. Oh, man. Blue stocking would be something, I'm sure. <laughs> Amused? Happy? Delight? I don't know. Probably mortified. Actually, do you, do you want to? Bring Hers up? is usually just like, I got the, I got the wine. <laughs> you have a thing you want to talk about? I've got a couple of other oh. important announcements. Or okay, go. So yeah, I have. I, all right, let me just kind of get get in, get in this a little. Um, get out of it. I I got I went down a, I went down a, a black hole today of knowledge because I watched a YouTube video and I was like, I didn't know this. This. And I should, because my character's kind of based on it. And suddenly I found myself diving down the history of Victorian arms. And so I kind of been trying to write uh, a very quick outline for everyone. But I'll read to you guys here in a minute. But yeah, we're talking oh. about booze and arms dealing today, apparently. <laughs> the outlaws, the shakeover. When, the library, when, the, when the librarian is out, the, 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 the dudes will play, I guess. <laughs> yup. Okay. Tell us about arms dealing. And how can I get involved? Well, first off, this was back in the 1800s. A little harder to do these days because governments. Man. No. I can't right, just go down to the Home Depot. and. I mean, the wow. first guy who really got kicked off, the one that we call, you know, the the, the, the merchant of death, the, at least the first merchant of death, he, um, he, he got started because the Ottoman Empire fell and they had all their old guns sitting around. And so on the Greek Isle, he's like, well, the Greeks want to retake a lot of their land. So let me figure out how to talk to a friend who just happened to be coming like a governor or something in that area. Uh, talked to him about it, made him a deal, purchased all the arms and sold them to the Greeks and the Ottoman Empire again. And uh, yeah, started off selling both sides. And it's so been a hundred years, so I can laugh now, right? That's fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Money! <laughs> and um, so he essentially started from that perspective. Uh, position going well if the old stuff sells us well how the hell does new stuff sell and uh this is when uh, like machining was finally starting to take off and muskets were being much more um you know manufactured in mass 
that's actually what really kicked it off was the Industrial Revolution, of course, of course, of course, because up until then, only a couple thousand rifles or firearms at the time, hand cannons, essentially, were really manufactured and were spread around the world, uh, probably under 20,000, just because their process was casting. And it took, and you had to basically break the mold at once. So every cannon on a battleship at the time, or a frigate or whatever, the, the casts were broken. So almost every gun was there. And um, yeah, so machining became more popular and suddenly flintlock pistols were much more accurate and much more reliant. And suddenly mm-hmm. muskets started becoming much more, you know, the firing mechanisms didn't wear out quite the same. They were more, you know, they would actually fire more often as well. And so from the Victorian era spanning from 1837 to 1901 was a period of uh, significant political and social and economic change. It witnessed the rise of the British Empire, industrialization, and an increase in global trade. Amidst these developments and arms dealing played a substantial role, shaping geopolitical landscapes and influencing Victorian society. Uh, that was my opening that I had written. It's <laughs> not quite as well written afterwards. Thank you. Thank you. I had a lot of time on that part. But uh, I may actually have to turn this into a longer deal because there's a lot to go on if people are interested. I decided to kind of focus on the guy because he had kind of a very interesting life. And uh, get down to the quick... His name was Basil Zaharoff. 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 Very Russian. But he was very British. However, he got away with some things he shouldn't have because his last name is very Russian and was able to, like, figure out how he, like, he was not born of money, but he ran around making people think he was rich, like a rich czar, like a rich czar's cousin or uncle or, or nephew, and got married in America to a woman who actually had money. And then, like, figured out a way to buy a railroad out from <laughs> under somebody. And, yeah, like, his whole deal is just backstabbing and swindling. It was fantastic. Oh, wow. And, um, but, yeah, his first his first deal was the uh, selling stuff in 1849. Um, when the Ottoman Empire ruled Turkey, he was uh, able to uh, get a hold of those guns. I already talked about that. I'll skip over it. But Oh, man, there's an article, the headline from Smithsonian Magazine. The mysterious Mr. Zed Zed, the wickedest mm-hmm. man in the world. <laughs> Zacharias Basilius Zakharov. <laughs> One of his notable achievements was his involvement in the sale of weapons during the Balkan Wars of 1912 to 1913. He capitalized on the conflicts between the Balkan nations and facilitated arms sales to multiple sides. Profiting from the tensions and bloodshed, Zaharov's influence in, his, in these conflicts further solidified his position as a major player in the arms trade. Throughout his career, Zaharov's dealings were often clouded, clouded in secrecy, making it challenging to ascertain the full extent of it. his association with espionage and intelligence agencies added additional layers of intrigue his persona. It is believed that he collaborated with various intelligence organizations, providing them with information and leveraging his connections for mutual gain. So not only was he was able to hide it from all of them, he was also selling information about everybody to everyone. <laughs> well, essentially, this Ooh. is the 1850s um, uh, Reddington, you know, so from the blacklist. Zaharoff's personal life was elusive as his, prefer- as his professional deal, or as much Zaharov's personal life was as elusive as professional dealings. He remained unmarried and maintained a discreet private existence. I thought he got married earlier. I guess he swindled somebody. Uh, I have to go look that one up again. 
ensuring that little information about his personal affairs ever surfaced in public. This further contributed to his aura of mystery surrounding. Uh, as the Victorian era came to a close and the world uh, entered the 20th century, his influence began to wane, yada, 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 because of just <clears throat> more stuff, more peace broke out, actually, international peace agreements. Um, Nobody makes money in peace. No. When peace breaks out, everyone's on, all the military industrial complex is unhappy. But uh, he is a very interesting character, and I would like to have, I would like to dig more into more very specific things. But the problem was, is he actually burned most of his documents before he died. Uh, so we don't actually have a whole lot of information on him. He was wicked, actually, not stupid. Y- yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, he was the original enigmatic or enigmatic merchant of death. So very, That's, very boring. I mean, beat for beat <laughs> reminds me of uh, Victor Bout. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who didn't, we just uh, did a prisoner exchange between arms dealer Victor Bout of Russia for our uh, basketball player. Yep. Gal who was uh, in a Russian prison for smuggling in a weed. ounce of weed in a, yeah. in a vaporizer. Uh, Victor Bouts, uh, as can be learned in the movie Lord of War, yep. starring Nicolas Cage, um, when uh, the Soviet Union fell, um, they had you know arms caches all over the continent, and he just went around and talked to the local commanding officer of those of those bases, going, "Hey, would you like to make some personal money? Well, let me go through your books real quick." And really? like, well, yeah, you have seven thousand Kalishnikovs. Looks like that doesn't look like a seven. That's like a one. You're vastly under underpowered at this base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he bought them all up at pennies on the dollar, and then moved them to people who really wanted them. And then also worked with the United States government to purchase their firearms when they left them overseas because it was cheaper to buy them per the pound than it was to ship them home. Um. <laughs> and, and- and then we got mad at him about it and then arrested him. Yeah. Uh, the CIA uh, would have loved to have used him a lot. I'm pretty sure they probably did use him a lot. They did. Yeah. How did the Uzis get to the Israelis? I mean, uh... <laughs> wait, no, they no. made the Uzis. How did the Uzis get to the other countries? Yeah. That was the <laughs> gun, gun. This kind of gun and espionage stuff is very, very neo is very Victorian. It's very Victorian. Straight a up, swallow Victoria. gripped it by the husk. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, that that's fascinating. That uh, I mean, I'm surprised the movie has not been imagined. The same game, man. The same uh, game uh, for a hundred years. Same, same damn story. <laughs> well, and it was hard to when you had only a couple thousand guns running around the world. It was really hard to sell them because, first off, basically the people who had them. Had to have the local manufacturing capacity to manufacture, you know, the bullets and the and the gunpowder. Difference was very limited supply. The moment that you can sell crates of guns to everyone, and you have a whole bunch of people who are willing to sell, like, as long as it's don't ask, don't tell policy about you know where these things are going. The British Empire, Maxim Guns, uh, Imperial Arms, all the like all the manufacturing companies just sold guns. And actually, the um, the guy who ended up like buying like Maxim and all those companies together purchased it just to get a hold of Zaharoff because he actually was working for one of the minor gun manufacturers in Britain at the time. And the other company was like, I'm so tired of you underselling or selling 
underbidding your stuff under and getting all the contracts or sabotaging our, our moments when we're showing off our guns and arms deal. And so for like governments and what, because the government would, the government and in, in, in like Africa would basically just say, bring all your stuff and all your toys. We want to buy something, but we want to see all of it. And so they would have basically big gun Olympics in these countries and he would sabotage their their weapons before they, before they were shown so he could sell his. And it, it's interesting because they were not very good, but he was just an insanely good salesman. And so Maxim Arms was just like, you know what? I'm just buying the entire goddamn company so he can sell all of our stuff because I'm tired of get about I'm tired of having to fight him on, on the sales floor. And so I think that's that, that that's a, a testament to a man's ability to. I mean, I'm pretty sure he could sell someone to make you know sell good life insurance. That would entertaining. <laughs> a more modern day hateful thing to do is the merchant of death now is selling healthcare. <laughs> uh, you mean you mean drugs? Dr- drug dealers. <laughs> I mean no, because healthcare is more expensive than drugs right now. I I don't think you understand. When you say healthcare, I hear drug dealer. Oh, yeah, no, I, I <laughs> corporate asks you to tell me the difference between these two pictures. <laughs> the same picture. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. I, I never sold any life insurance too expensive to sell to people. I had a woman in her 20, like, she was like 24 and I can only sell her dental because that's all she could afford because they wanted like $400 a month or $400 every two weeks, $800 a month per check. Yeah. For someone who's in the best of their health, of course, baby making years and all that fun stuff also makes them expensive, but it's dumb. It is. It is is so stupid. But I mean, hell, this guy looks like he'd sell your own pillows to you. Hey, (laughs) I'm intrigued. I can't believe there isn't a movie about arms dealing in the 1840s now. I'm come on, Paramount. He does seem like a almost cartoonishly evil character. You could have a lot of fun with And if you want, if you couldn't do it in a historically inaccurate way, because we don't have a whole lot of information, just completely go fantasy with it. I mean, Carnival Row is wrapped up. They need a new direction for their plot. Here we go. Go for it. Have have Orlando Bloom run around being a gun dealer. No, he's the good guy. I mean, he's the ish. Yeah, he is. He is. There is a gun dealer. Um, that that he's got a thwart somehow. Uh, yeah, I don't that know. works. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll do that. That makes more sense. Then he has to get his fairy and everyone to establish get a new, a new way evil character that we can all enjoy hating. Yeah, yeah. But actually, they did a good job in that movie TV show bringing in like the fact that the the Pax weapons weren't nearly as good as the uh, the Berg's weapons or the British Empire's weapons at the time, and mm-hmm. so they were wanting to purchase them. And the fact that the they were able, you know, one guy in the government was able to sell it to every, all three sides and um, kind of did exactly this in a way, but he was trying to be in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It made sense at the time. <laughs> but anyway, it's a good show. Before I spoil anything, I should, I'm going to stop. Yeah, I, I usually stick with second season. So much better than the first season. Oh, God. Yes. So we actually did a stupid um, because my mother-in-law has our account. She was over here and watched a couple episodes ahead of us. And so when we went to go actually watch it, it started us on season two, episode one. And so we're like, okay, so Orlando Bloom just starts off here and we're going to like fill in stuff on the way back. Right. And like, wait a minute, we check it. No, this is wrong. We watched the first episode of season two and then went back and watched. And so we're all like, we already have all these preconceived notions and everything because, mm. for, for, because of the second that episode 
that's actually was a fantastic way to look at it because you're like, now how are they going to get around to that? Or how are they going to explain this part? It was, it worked out very well. I was very happy with it. Actually, it did not spoil anything except it. Okay, well, it spoiled plot, but it did not only spoil any plot that made you like hate it. It was very much more of you're very intrigued. I, I was even more intrigued with the story of how they're going to like tie it all up, getting to that point. Yeah, no complaints. Uh, I thought it was great. I didn't like it ended. the last episode of the second season that ended the series. Yeah, it was just too tidy. Too, no, too I, we didn't agree with some of the answers of the. They did the whole Harry Potter like twenty year kind of. <laughs> some years later, now everyone, all everyone's kids are getting on the on the bus and train. And what? Oh, there's these are the characters that got together and heads. You're like, no, no, that can't be right. That, that's wrong. That's not <laughs> yeah. how. That and so some of that did happen. We're like, no, that's not how. They already explained literally in a couple episodes prior why that wasn't going to happen because, you know, peace doesn't just burst forth out of nowhere like that. And everyone changed their mind. Well, you know what? I'm wrong. But speaking about that, how do you think the writer's strike is going to affect TV in the next couple of months? Honestly, I don't think it's it's going to. We've been talking about all of these shows that like Netflix and other streaming services have made and then canceled and then shelved. And they could just Bring them out. Just say, we've we made these already, and we just start playing them. That, uh, or they already have scripts written that never got used. That's that's so way possible, like, too. Just start continuing some of these old shows they canceled. That might be more difficult, because yeah, yeah. with the writer's strike, the the uh, the actors and other uh, movie-making peoples, those unions are on board. So yeah. they won't cross the line. I'm not, yeah, I'm starting to see a lot of actors join the, the strike as well. And I agree. I'm just also like, I guess I'm going to start reading. more. I, I don't know. I, I got so much TV to catch up on. It's stupid. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't I'm think glad it's, it's not affecting me yet. Like I'm very happy. Someone's fighting for more money because that's definitely necessary. Oh, for and, sure. Yeah. I have no, like stick it to the man as hard as you can, because you're never going to get like what this is like with a second writer strike in nine years, at least. Mm-hmm. Like, so every five years they're getting a raise. Finally. Jesus. Guess what our raise was last year? Three percent. If we were lucky, it was two point five. Oh, I was, I bitched. I, I bitched yeah. to my boss about how how uh, you know inflation was at seven eight percent, and you're giving me three and ask, expecting me to be happy about it. <laughs> and the markup on. on the stuff y'all are selling has gone up like fifty percent, and yet where's all that money in the middle go? Yeah, oh, but, I feel you. Yeah, but never mind all that. Let's talk oh. about. Let's dish some dirt. Oh. Dish so booze, gun fire, gun running and arms, and now dirt dishing. All right. Oh, okay. It, the Time Travelers Convention in Quincy, Illinois, is happening this weekend. Uh huh. Um, and they are uh, the, this this new steampunk event that's being managed and uh, facilitated by the people who run the Big River Steampunk Festival. Okay. Okay. And they've been uh, all of their advertising has pictures of uh, Doc Phineas from Las Vegas. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, the, the very yeah, very elegant man. Yes. Uh, he He's uh, a Hollywood superstar of, uh, well, if, if you've watched uh, uh, Pawn Stars, yeah. he's the guy that they bring in to uh, look at antiquities and old things to see if they're legitimate and of value. So he's, he's on TV. Yeah, and uh, he's he's uh he's got he's got steampunk cred. Big big steampunk cred. He he uh 
does makes a lot of effort to promote steampunk in the community and promote events. And he was promoting this event strongly. And like I said, his picture is in all of their promotion. Um, today, he got, I mean, he's, he's, he's bought his own ticket to fly out there. They haven't paid for it, but he was going to uh, fly out in his own dime. Uh, and they let him know today that uh, they don't need him, that he and some other entertainers, I don't know who else, have been canceled uh, from the event. Uh, because they didn't have, they did not sell enough tickets Ow. to the to Doc Phineas's specific thing. So he was doing a, a high tea kind of event, and I guess they didn't sell enough tea tickets or something. I don't know. I'm trying to fill in gaps here with a uh, with, with, with knowledge. Yeah, with knowledge I don't have. Um, that is gory. Is it's not. Oh. You're never going to get anyone big at that convert a while. Mm. That's going to that, that's gonna hurt them for years. I don't think they realize who they had. <laughs> that you don't you don't say no to that, even if you don't have enough people showing up. If he's flying out on his own dime to do tea, you let that tea thing happen still. And then you have I mean, him I'm sure they were I'm sure they were paying for his his presence. Because yeah. uh, otherwise, I mean if if he's not uh if it's not costing them anything, yeah. There, there would be no reason to to cancel him, but whoo, uh, mm. you know, it's the first year. Get ready it's to take a loss. Yeah, they're. Mm, I don't. That's a depending on how the PR rules with that. That could ruin them forever. It, it's possible. We'll have to uh, watch and see. But uh, Doc Phineas, he's he's very classy, very professional. He's not going to talk crap about anybody. <laughs> but uh, he did notify everyone that he is not going to be at this at this steampunk festival because he was canceled he was uh let go if you will uh, so that's sort of uh that's something i think people need to know if they were planning on going to quincy illinois for the time travelers convention um <sighs> i don't know if we have anybody listening to our show that uh, happen to be up there if you're planning on going or live in illinois please drop us a like or a comment below about it yeah yeah uh, <laughs> and he has a he has a draw. I mean, people would go oh, yeah. to that event to see him. Oh yeah, uh, just have him uh, sit near the bar. I mean, hell, that you'd have bar time <laughs> with Mister Bloom. Yeah, is oh, yeah, fun. yeah. I, Doc Vanessa will just talk your ear off. So if mm -hmm. you just put him in a in a panel at a bar, would be excellent. Yes, uh, it can have tea. People, people going to see him. Erica Flavio and I went to Las Vegas to a convention to see him. It was his convention, yeah, and uh, he was amazing. He was welcoming and uh, gregarious. He was just awesome. Uh, so yeah, big mistakes happening up in Quincy, Illinois this weekend. Uh, he he mentioned something about there being a change in management. Oh, what's this to happen? I don't know. I don't know anything about that either. But if Big River Steampunk Festival has changed their management, that that's not a good sign. I don't no. think. Mm -mm. And yeah, so I'm just getting this off of uh, Doc Phineas's uh, Facebook page. Uh, Kenneth Castler is his real name, uh, where he posted this. And then uh, the event said they, they, they posted a response on their page. Not all entertainment was canceled for time travelers. <laughs> we are, we advertised for months. We advertised on several sites, uh, but the ticket sales did not happen, and we just didn't have enough money, and so we had to uh, cut back. 
Um, Doc Phineas said he didn't see any of their advertising. Uh, he was he was the one going out there and promoting and you know posting on social media all over the place. I don't know. I'm not I'm not in Illinois, uh, so We're I didn't watching from afar. But this sounds like it might be a little spicy. Very spicy. Oh, Johnny says you might just see him in Galveston. I was I was Ooh. talking with the wife tonight, and I said Johnny Steverson. He's like. A young, upcoming Doc Phineas. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. The man has class. They're both very, you know... Very outgoing. They've got that entertainment persona. And they care. And when he was wandering around asking questions, seeing how people were doing, seeing if they were enjoying, they yeah, really care. Yeah. They, they've got the hurt in it. Yeah. So, thank you, Johnny. And uh, yeah, be awesome to see Doc Phineas in Galveston. That would uh, that would be amazing. Um, if you could get one of those air conditioned uh, train cars, um, and and you know have him do a, a panel in there, that would be so cool. That would be cool. Uh, in Vegas, uh, Doc Phineas did a panel in uh, Buffalo Bill's personal train car. Oh, that's that's actually inside one of the casinos. And usually it's locked up, but he got it opened up for us so we could go in and check it out and sit in his settee and and listen to Phineas talk. It was super cool. I, I can see that. He seems like very much one of those people who is just very delicate in the way he would speak, but he would be able to project across the room. Well, it was a small room. I mean, even then, he just he's just very... The way he brings himself off of high deme demeanor, I like him. Never I was impressed. Man. That, I was impressed that he actually, you know, had the had the influence to get mm. that room opened because apparently they used to have that open, and people would go in, and it was like it was being damaged by yeah. people yeah. going through, and uh, they didn't want that to happen anymore, so they had to lock it up. Yeah, makes sense. So uh, yeah, we we got uh, an, a fantastic once in a lifetime opportunity thanks to Doc. It was amazing. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <sighs> well, this has been a good episode. That's already already 856. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even bring up my uh Victorian boxing women or my Lego build that I'll talk about some other week. Oh. <laughs> and I got I got some uh like octopus as a symbol of steampunk Y and um I got the Victorian arms dealer thing out of the way, or at least to start with. It looks like that might be an on. And, uh, oh, I found some steampunk home design stuff to look at, too, later. So we got, we got things. Me, too. I need to do more of them myself, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just grind your house going, this isn't steampunk enough. I don't I don't feel like I'm living in the world of steampunk after running a, a you know, subscription service for 10 years. Being steampunk for, like, 15, you know, it's like, <laughs> need any more stuff on the walls. I got all this stuff from, from conventions and I've never put it up. And I need to find those boxes and start, start plastering my wall. I got like, I, I spent like 50 bucks on posters for Battlestar Galactica. I found those the other day. I'm like, ha! Ah! It's, it's, oh, um, heck, uh, the whole like, you know, um, propaganda posters, you know, like oh. good Cylons, a dead Cylon and stuff like that. So, oh, right. nice. Yeah, I'm like that stuff was fun. I need to put those up. I may have I may have to change my wall back here for. A while. I'm just rewatching uh, uh, the Mandalorian for uh, my brother-in-law, who's just taking it in for the first time. And we got to uh, 
um, what's her name? Uh, uh, Stackoff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, who is that? That girl looks familiar. Like, oh, she's Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Yes. That's, every, that's where she got her big, her big break. And then she was in a Riddick movie where she played kind of the same character, but they really made it shallow and... Yeah, uh, the, the Chronicles wasn't wasn't that great. wasn't the strongest one. It's like right when it started getting good, it ended. Like, oh. <laughs> it 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 was before the time where they made like eight to ten episode TV series. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a much better. Uh, that would have been a fantastic to that story. Oh yeah. Oh, what are, what is he going to do after Fast and the Furious is over? I wonder if Vin Diesel might go back to seeing about making like you said longhand. Uh, TV shows for, for Riddick. I mean, you know, if Netflix doesn't cancel him, I guess that'd be cool. He would probably not do that. He'd probably be like, I'm just going to fund it myself and put it up on the internet for everybody. <laughs> put it on Prime. Sure. How are going to do this cartoon? He had to like, he wanted to make a computer game and then he couldn't get a computer game come pick up the storyline to make it. He's like, fine, I guess this is going to be a, I guess it's just going to be an anime. What show is that? Um, He's got a Chronicles of Riddick cartoon. Oh, I'll have to. I'll it's have in to between Pitch Black and Chronicles. It explains how he gets from point A to point B. Huh. Lex was cool. narrating over the computer for me to me. But yeah, Sorry. I watched it years ago. I need to I need to hit that up again. I think you you might be able to watch it. I'll probably find it somewhere on the for somewhere. But yes, little nugget there. Cool. Well, uh, as you mentioned, it's getting on nine o'clock, and uh, we've already established that you need to tune in. And a couple of Tuesdays, we're going to have more stuff to talk about. Uh, more interesting finds. Uh, but for now, let me tell you about who's keeping us uh, uh, keeping us in beer and Skittles. We just got our, our bill from for the, the podcast hosting. So these guys are helping us out. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about J.R. Seeger, A School for the Great Game. His book, An Edwardian Teen Elizabeth Bancroft Resents Being Sent to a Finishing School in India. The college is, in fact... The British India School for Spies, teaching the family business of espionage, martial arts, and Tibetan mystic arts. A School for the Great Game is the first in the Steampunk Garage series, available on Amazon by J.R. Seeger. Uh, also, we're supported by Kitty at Fair Treasures. Fair Treasures has a selection of Texas-made female presenting costumes and accessories for steampunk and renaissance wear and one-of-a-kind imported jewelry. You can shop Fair Treasures at their website, fair with an e, treasures.com, or on Etsy, or at uh, uh, what fair is she at now? Um, is she over here? Uh, oh, she's up. She's uh, she's here, yeah. Um, Scarborough Fair. Scarborough Fair for what, three more weeks, did she say? I think so. Very few yeah. weeks left. Because it's it's always right there, right at the end of college. That's how I was always able to. Get <laughs> also, our patrons up on Patreon.com, Jenny and Ryan Shaver, helping us out, buying us a beer, and a generous grant from Rita and Lawrence Allen, who are with us right now. Oh, Kitty says two weeks. You got two weeks to Scarborough. Thanks, Rita and Lawrence Allen. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, thanks to you, we're. Not only keeping the lights on, but we're expanding. I'm trying to figure out how to do streaming remotely so we can go to places and do more stuff. Um, on that one. I heard a, a ding from the wife. No, nope. my wife. Your wife. It was my wife. Oh, she linked a Chronicle of Riddick uh, from Wikipedia. So I'll 
I'll put that down in the uh, show notes for our podcast. Uh, and uh, is there anything else we need to add before I hand this over to our founder, Flavio? Anything else? I think we're good. Oh, okay. Oh, he's got something to say. You have a good night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. So, once again, thank you for listening. You can find us again on uh, Facebook at Texas Steampunk Connection for any comments, questions, suggestions. If you know of something happening, Steampunk, that's happening soon, we can put it on our calendar, on our Patreon, um, as well as the, the list of over 100 comics and graphic novels, uh, Steampunk and Weird West related. You can also email us at TexasSteampunkConnection at gmail.com. And we're uh, a streaming podcast, TexasSteampunkConnection.podbean.com. And if you lose it on Facebook and you want to watch a remake, a rerun of this show at any point in time on YouTube, you can go find them on Steam Chest. <laughs> and although we've made many, many jokes about Twitter, you can look for us at TX Steam Connect One oh. on Twitter. I never use it. I never look at it. I don't know. I don't understand Twitter. Yeah. So yeah. Once again, thank you very much. And until next time, mind your gauges. There's a story because there's always a story. There has to be a story, you know, and I'm talking about libraries, so I can't not tell a story because they mean too much to me. Libraries are filled with an infinity of stories and a fair few stories have been written about libraries. These fictional stories often focus on the mysteries that libraries and archives have hidden away, and only a select few are allowed to access these mysteries. The same can be said of real-world academic libraries, where only the privileged few can access the research they need. Examining and analyzing fiction that has been written about libraries and archives can help us to confront the anxieties that surround real-world institutions. My name is Elizabeth Hedrick, and this is just what I'll be doing this year on Anxiety in the Archives my podcast dissertation. Over the course of the show, we'll discuss social and cultural anxieties around libraries and archives, and we'll learn some truths about access and privilege. We'll also take a deeper look at how traditional academic writing is changing and evolving, and what this means for students, and for the brave advisors who are taking this journey with them. It's going to swallow all of us before the end of it, I know it is. <laughs> Well, we're not going to let it swallow you, but if it has to lick you, we might <laughs> Release the Kraken! So join me on February 26th, 2023, for Anxiety in the Archives, my podcast dissertation. It is so good.